재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 And we're continuing our discussion on this bribery scandal surrounding a senior prosecutor, Jin Gyeongjun. We're going to try to widen the discussion, um, the need or lack thereof of uh, prosecutorial reform in South Korea. And also get some thoughts from a law professor from the UK, uh, which is known by many people to be one of the least corrupt nations in the world and how they tackle corruption in the judiciary. Give us your thoughts. Text us at pound 1013 for 51 or send us a Kakao Talk message. Joining us here in the studio once again, the attorney and CEO of Law and Business Research Center, E.G. Su. Um, this is, and it's been kind of, kind of been uh, printed out on the headlines all over that uh, first time an incumbent high-ranking uh, prosecutor has been placed behind bars since 1948 and that's really when we're talking about the founding of the actual the, republic right. um that's when the prosecutorial system was mm-hmm. established mm-hmm. is this i mean again to be cynically okay this is going to pass and then they're just going back to business but is this potentially a tipping point or a flashpoint where you can say we're going to try to get prosecutorial well reform? my answer to that is it should you know every time such scandals break out uh people say well it, that's it. We have to do some, you know, we have to take some, uh, you know, drastic measures against the prosecutor's power. But it's, you know, people easily forget it. But I truly wish that this uh, is a time, a perfect time when they can start uh, reforming the prosecutor's system. And one of the methods that they should uh, contemplate at this point is that, as we know very well, the Korean prosecutors, unlike other countries in the world, is the uh, is the only government authority that has the power to indict the people, you know? And, and, and I, 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 I'm truly against that. Why should prosecutors, the only uh, governmental organization that has the power to indict, and, and that ha- that has to be, you know, shared. That kind of power should be shared with among uh, with other uh, governmental offices. And uh, there should be some competing system within the government uh, uh, so that they can be more, uh, you know, ethically clean. And also they know what they're really doing uh, and they know uh, they have to have this mind of serving the public instead of, you know, ruling the public. And and I truly wish that such scandals uh, uh, become a triggering point uh, to start a reform here. And I guess, again, not to just bring up the fact that a lot of people are cynical about this is that this is not the first time this attempt has been made. Uh, even if you just even go back to the uh, former president, Omu Hyun's presidency, right. he tried to do he, so. He with failed. Very famous yes. televised debates yes. with yes. the prosecutors yes. uh, in subsequent administrations. Right. We were talking about getting rid of the uh, Central Intelligence Unit right. because of that political kind of mess mm-hmm. that that kind of causes. I mean, it, it'll be very difficult. It's as long as you have this very entrenched institution with right. so much power that in their vested interest is why should we change right now right and and other hurdles that you have to confront is if you see the members of the national assembly a lot of former prosecutors so it's also, their buddies right exactly they, they they are you know colleagues uh, from their old organization and also if you see some key staffs uh, who work for uh, Blue House they are also uh, you know ex-prosecutors or uh, incumbent prosecutors so every time a, a president uh, you know uh, endeavors to to uh implement some uh reform reform against, uh, against prosecutor system he or she must confront these uh, enormous amount of resistance uh, uh even amongst her uh you know staff and w- whether it is president park or uh, someone who follows her 
must uh, have this will to reform uh, the prosecutors. Otherwise, it will always fail. Right. Um, judging from the sense that people are feeling her comments today lead to them to indicate that she's not actually even willing to have uh, the uh, senior secretary for civil affairs, right. Wu byung to even contemplate resigning. Maybe that's not in the cards yet. Uh, we're going to get a foreign perspective on this from the UK um, and find out how a country like Great Britain, which is um, relatively free of corruption for the most part, especially in their judiciary, and and see what benchmarking is possible. Joining us from the University of Bristol, a reader in sociology and law, Dr. Michael Naughton. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Naughton. Transparency International's uh, corruption index measures uh, uh, the UK as the 10th least corrupt country in 2015. Uh, Obviously, a lot to learn from the South Korean perspective. But what do you think are the major factors that make the UK, uh, I guess this is sort of a term that not a lot of people like, but one of the cleanest countries in the world? Well, um, thank you for the invitation to join your show. Um, I think it's a very important uh, debate and important questions that you're asking. But first of all, I want to problematize your, your kind of premise of your question. I think that when you're trying to measure something, the questions that you ask and the things that you look at will determine whether or not a a particular country that's being looked at is corrupt or not. And I think that the forms of corruption within the UK, within the, are systemic, they're institutionalized, they're endemic. And what you're talking about is the structures of power which operate within a country. And I think the UK has got such longevity in terms of its legal procedures and legal legal processes and such longevity in terms of its forms of government and procedures that govern, I think that it's probably one of, if not the most, corrupt uh, countries in the whole world, despite Hmm. what your your index says. Interesting. Um, Can you then give us your assessment as to what you see as some of the problems in the uh, judicial system in the UK? Well, I mean, it it's such, I could talk to you literally all day about it, but in the specific area of, of my particular research. So I'm talking about people who are wrongly convicted. Uh, I do a lot of research on miscarriages of justice. Uh, the last book I did was called The Innocent and the Criminal Justice System. And in that book, I tried to problematize um, how the criminal justice system can convict an innocent person and how the criminal justice system can fail to deal with and overturn that conviction. And the thing is, you see, they want to phrase it in these terms, that you can have the rightful or the correct conviction of the innocent because the whole system is about due process, it's about rights, and the forms of evidence that are used in criminal trials are inherently unreliable and they fail routinely and mundanely. And yet innocent people languish in prisons. Mm. And the institutions that we've set up the Court of Appeal, the judiciary, the rules that they work to are rules which protect wrongful convictions rather than overturn them and expose them. So they can say, yes, uh, this particular person maybe is innocent. We can see the evidence of this person's factual innocence to this alleged crime. However, this evidence could have and should have been raised at trial. So if somebody's defence solicitor is inadequate or not properly funded so they can't do certain things, well, you can't come back afterwards and say, we want another bite of the cherry. So the appeal courts are looking for fresh evidence. 
that wasn't available at the time of the original trial. So if something was available, they disregard it. They're not interested in it. It's not something that they're prepared to look at. I call that corruption. I call that unethical and dishonest behaviour. Because when innocent people are convicted, guilty people are at liberty to commit more crimes. Mm. So there's a real kind of public protection issue. And that's just one tiny example. I could talk to you about other examples. Yeah, and the implication seems to be that then this becomes essentially a rich man's game. And if you do not have the means, unfortunately, you may fall victim to to some of those issues. Do you think that there is a concerted effort to, to solve these problems and that many people also recognize those problems that you've just highlighted for us? Well, I've been, I've been working on these issues for almost 15 years now, and there is more traction. I mean, there are more and more people becoming aware of this. But there's this intransigence, and it's almost unsurmountable. So there was a recent Crown Prosecution Service roadshow, and they were going around the country within different legal communities, you know, Bristol, Manchester, London, Glasgow, different uh, big cities. And they were trying to promote confidence in the criminal justice system by the Crown Prosecutors talking about their work, okay? Mm-hmm. So I asked a simple question. I said, in the last 30 years, okay, there have been 150 major miscarriage of justice cases where people have been released, right, because mm-hmm. the police were shown to have tortured suspects. They put ropes around their necks. They do mock executions. I mean, people are are flabbergasted when they hear that this happens in the UK. I recently spoke in China in a conference a couple of years ago, an international conference on wrongful convictions, and they couldn't believe what I was saying. They thought these things only happened in China. But there have been these gross miscarriages of justice where people are tortured into making false confessions to things they didn't do, mm-hmm. and that's later proven that the police tortured them. Different police officers are named in the Court of Appeal. Because when the media get hold of a case like that, the Court of Appeal have to listen. They can't, they can't push that to one side. So I said to the senior prosecutors, OK, how come no police officers have ever been held to account in those cases? Because the court has mentioned them by name. We know who these people are. They've tortured innocent people. And the right. prosecutor said this, ah, well, you need to understand that while our job is about prosecuting a case, if there's a sufficiency of evidence, we also have to take into account the public interest. And because our principal role is about promoting the confidence in the rule of law and the criminal justice system, we might have the evidence to take such a prosecution, but we don't think it's in the public interest because the the legal system has already been undermined by the case being overturned, so we don't think there's any good in holding the police officers to account. To me, that's corruption. That's systemic, endemic corruption when public officials can actually make such decisions based on their subjective discretion and interpretation about what's in the public interest. I think a lot of uh, our listeners, including myself as well, we thought we were going to have a very nice chat with Dr. Naughton, talk about the wonders of uh, uh, Britain's judicial system, how, how great the prosecutors are. And, and obviously there is a sense of the grass is greener on the other side and people want to learn from, from each other. Uh, and, and I know that you are um, uh, very uh, articulately uh, pointing out some of the problems and every judiciary has a... has 
a problem to a certain extent. Can you at least tell us, though, um, which countries around the world do seem to be doing, uh, at least in your view, a better job than, than the UK? It's, it's a difficult question. Yeah. As I said at the beginning, it depends how you, correct, uh, you, you define the problem. It depends on uh, how you measure it, what you're looking for, what you're looking at. Um, I mean, I ask what, the, what is the value of, su- of such a league table? Uh, I just want to kind of make one, one kind of point. It's, it's like what we do in the UK, what we do in the United States, what we do in, other, in these kind of inverted commas developed countries, developed democratic societies, etc., is we're always looking and highlighting problems in, in other countries. And so we point to African nations or mm-hmm. Asian nations or whatever. And we say, look at these growth injustices that are happening in India or China or wherever, okay? And these countries are then depicted as less just, somehow less just. But in a sense, the injustice is transparent in those countries. And, and you know exactly what kind of justice system you're getting. It's the way in which the justice in this country, the injustice, is institutionalized and hidden. And it's the performance mm-hmm. indicators. So, for instance, all the different branches of the criminal justice system, prosecution, probation, police, they get performance indicators. So if you get more convictions or if you get more arrests, you get more money. The chief constables get more money, they get more budget, they get promotion. So then what happens is, and no one looks at these things. They don't look that deep. They just listen to what the rhetorical, discursive statements are from politicians and chief constables. And don't take this as a, as a disrespect. Many of my colleagues are Asian. They're from Singapore, they're from China, Japan, different places. And they are duped. They're duped by these statements. Hmm. And they should look deeper. But when they get wrongful convictions, when it's shown that they did things wrong, the performance indicators, the promotions, the awards, the early retirement benefits, they're not taken back. They're protected because it's showing the public that the the system works to protect you against these ills. And we could talk about politicians. We could talk about corporate crime. We could talk all day about the forms of corruption in this country. And we just have to keep working and revealing it a bit at a time to try to work as closely as we can. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't... No, no, no. It's it's been very illuminating. Uh, Dr. Naughton, we're going to have to leave it there, but thank you very much uh, for for, uh, sharing us with your thoughts. Uh, Very interesting indeed. Thank you. Thank you very much. Dr. Michael Naughton uh, here with uh, E.G. Sue, CEO of um, Business Law & Order. Uh, I was a a bit surprised. This is pretty pretty interesting stuff, but um, one takeaway is that this individual, and everyone maybe has a certain self-critical aspect to what is going on in their country, but he does seem to hold his judiciary to a higher standard than a lot of people here in Korea might do. With, right. With their- I think there's a slight difference between what we're talking sure. today and, and what a Professor has just stated. I think and I agree uh, with Professor when he stated that, you know, uh, there is a systematic failure in the judicial system, whether it is the UK or Korea or the United States, you know, you know, a number of scholars always try to analyze whether there are some room whether we could improve the system or not and i do buy when he said you know there's a serious uh issues of problems embedded in the uk's uh judicial system but here what's happening in korea is that you know this uh, the sitting prosecutor receiving direct money 
from right. uh, uh, from you know uh, uh, from the public. Uh, that's what we're discussing today, right? Right. We it's weren't not, talking about wrongful convictions right. of people well, who are innocent. Exactly. Or, well, w- w- I can spend a whole day, you know, speaking about our uh, problems uh, of our, our judicial system. But what's here is receiving, you know, bribery, not uh, just uh, some money, but it's, uh, you know, 120, no, 12 billion Korean won, which is a huge amount of money while he was sitting as the prosecutors. And of course, that in return, he did some, he provided some favor uh, to uh, that company. And I think I'm not quite sure. Maybe Maybe I, I could be wrong, but I don't see any any similar situations or cases uh, in the United States yeah. or UK. That, that's what we need to be uh, focused on. I mean, we can talk about other situations where maybe prior to becoming a DA or, you know, you had a private life uh, and then you go back out into the private sector and people right. like, you know, like Eric Holder, everyone talks about how he has this very, you know, long story. Revolving past doors. Kind of friendly and with the banks right, and right, all that. Right. But as you say, actually receiving money and then While sitting making as a, decisions as the prosecutors that that's uh, quite unprecedented you mentioned how it, some people feel prosecutors may actually have lower moral standards than the average person well, in at least, Korea. Uh, some you know, people feel that, right? Well, at least uh, based on some of the recent scandals that broke out, I mean, and that shook uh, stirred what, our society. What, I what think. can be changed? The JRTI, can they have a more emphasis? Or if you go to a law school now, there should be a more stronger emphasis on this? How Here's, can you change I it? I think the, the deepest problem is that, you know, normally those people who become a fresh prosecutor or judges, they're sometimes they're at their mid twenties, you know, immediately after uh, you know graduating from now it is called law school. Uh, pr- uh, pr- uh, previously, it, you know, after uh, graduating and passing the Korean bar, it, uh, at their mid twenties they can become a, a prosecutors, and if nothing goes wrong, at his uh, early forties he become the head of uh, a district court. They don't have any life experience, okay, and they don't have enough time to, uh, you know, to learn what we call uh, an ethic. And, 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 you know, instead of having this kind of system, I think we need to, uh, you know, borrow a, a, a system that is, uh, you know, used in, in other states or in other countries. Like, you know, why do we need prosecutors immediately, f- those who graduated from the, uh, you know, legal training uh, institutions? JRT, yeah, yeah. Rather, what's better, I think, is that you can choose the prosecutors and the judges among those practicing lawyers, you know, uh, uh, when they become uh, mid-40s or, you know, with much more experience and, and they know uh, uh, and and pick up some of those ethical uh, issues. They, you know, they, they can become and they can be hired or recruited as the, uh, the prosecutors or the judges. And that will certainly, I think, I'm quite confident, will reduce some of these, uh, you know, uh, issues. Final question, um, and then maybe we might know the answer. Optimistic or pessimistic that uh, we will, at least within this administration? Well, I'm very pessimistic. And, and, well, it's not just this this administration. I think, you know, it will take quite some time, maybe uh, 10 or 20 years to reform, uh, you know, the the judicial system. Because, first of all, it is so deeply rooted. Mm. Doesn't matter which political party controls National Assembly, which political party is in the blue house. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. it doesn't matter who becomes the president, whether he he's a, someone with a, a strong will or whether it is someone who's who doesn't think this seriously. It will take long period, you know, uh, and, and it, it it's not going to happen overnight. 
because they are, it, it is so deeply root, rooted in our society. Everyone knows everyone here in Korea. And, and it's not easy to cut off some of your best friends because, you know, of these issues. It will say, uh, you know, it certainly needs a strong will from the top and also needs some time. You know, it can't happen overnight. Like, like you pointed out earlier, Mr. President, no, tried it once, but it didn't turn out to be a success. And uh, it can't be just, yeah. you know, uh, done at a, at a, like that. Well, unfortunately, on that pessimistic note, although we did certainly learn a lot uh, from your wonderful analysis, uh, we're going to leave it there. Uh, e. Jisoo, thank you so much for joining us as always. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. All Thank the time. you.